You're a busy provider trying to stay current with the latest HIV testing, prevention, and treatment guidelines, and your pockets are overflowing with note cards. You need a convenient, trustworthy source for HIV testing, treatment, prevention, and care protocols. All healthcare professionals have a role in stopping HIV. Introducing HIV Care Tools from the AIDS Education and Training Center program. The HIV Care Tools mobile app is simple, free, and fully functional offline or online. It features quick guides for HIV prevention, screening, testing, diagnosis, and treatment. HIV Care Tools provides common clinical calculators used in HIV management and provide validated screening tools for comorbidities such as depression, substance use disorders, and PTSD. And if you need clinician-to-clinician consultation, HIV Care Tools provides one-touch access to free clinical consultation services by a multidisciplinary team of experts. Take us with you. Download HIV Care Tools today. Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, we're sitting down with John Farragon to talk about a new advancement related to the COVID-19 pandemic, the development of molnupiravir, or MK4482, an investigational oral medication. Thanks so much for being here, John. Yeah, thanks, Mariana. Good to be back. So, John, tell us about molnupiravir. What is it and what do providers need to know? Yeah, so I think people may have been hearing about this over the last couple of months um, in the news lately, but... Um, there's a drug called monopiravir, um, and mostly, uh, most importantly, this is it's got a role in preventing hospitalizations due to COVID-19. Um, so this medication is uh, still under development, and as of today, it's not FDA approved um, and has not been authorized under an emergency use authorization. Although that's that's in the process of happening. Um, so again, you know, when we talk about these emergency use authorization, this is the way many of the uh, the medications and vaccines that we're using for. COVID-19 are, are getting authorized to be utilized uh, in the United States uh, in, in the COVID-19 era. So what, what is this all about? You know, there was a study called the Move Out Study that looked at that people who were at risk and non-hospitalized adult patients, um, and these patients all had mild to moderate COVID-19 disease. And so during a planned interim analysis, when they looked at these patients, the, the this monopiravir was actually shown to reduce hospitalizations or death by about 50%. So 7% of, of patients were either hospitalized or died um, at day 29 following random, randomization. Uh, uh, and those were people that actually got the medication versus 14% for the placebo arm, which is obviously a statistically significant difference. So 7% of patients who got molnupiravir versus 14% of patients who got placebo were either hospitalized or, or died. So really cutting that rate in, in half from 14 down to 7%. So if you look closer at the deaths, eight, eight patients died in the placebo arm uh, through day 29, and there was no deaths in the molnupiravir arm. So again, this, this is kind of like not a huge study, not a large numbers of patients, but the, the relative risk reduction when you compare the, um, the molnupiravir versus, uh, uh, versus placebo, there was clearly a, a benefit a benefit here. So in consultation with the FDA, the um, this the Data Monitoring Safety Board, the DSMB, stopped the study early due to these positive results. So obviously, Merck is going to be submitting an additional uh, additional inform uh, information, and I believe this has already been submitted to the FDA 
uh, for emergency use authorization, um, uh, and and hopefully that will be issued issued very soon. What other important information came out of this study? Um, sure. Yeah. So basically, uh, a little more information. Again, mostly from a lot from a lot of this is from press releases, um, but the data was based on 775 patients who had been enrolled enrolled in the phase three studies at the time of stopping the study early. Um, the trial was approaching full recruitment of the sample size of about 1,500 patients. So they were close to that. Uh, more than 90% of the sample size um, had already been enrolled when they stopped it. Um, some of the eligibility criteria, um, again, off of the press release from the company, uh, required that all patients have lab-confirmed mild to moderate COVID-19 with symptom onset within five days of study randomization. And all patients were required to have at least one risk factor associated with poor disease outcomes at study entry. And so basically the molnupiravir um, was shown to reduce the risk of hospitalizations or death across all, all of these key subgroups. So now efficacy was not affected by timing of symptom onset or under, underlying risk factors. The most, and again, that's important, um, but the most important thing is that really the, the, the poor disease outcomes included people who were obese, older age, over 60, diabetes and heart disease. So, so those are some of the big ones that, that, we, that we worry about. And so our dose for this drug is 800 milligrams twice a day, just for five days. So where does this kind of like play in uh, with, other, with other things that we're doing for patients? So many of us are aware we're using monoclonal antibodies for mild to moderate disease for outpatient management. So somebody comes, goes to the provider and says, you know, I'm not feeling well. And they went up with confirmed COVID. Many of them will get the uh, one of the uh, one of the monoclonal antibodies, either the, the Lilly or the uh, or the um, uh, or the Regeneron product, the Lilly has been the Lilly product has been shown to be effective against Delta, which is what we're seeing right now. Um, so, so this is like another option for people instead of getting a monoclonal antibody infusion, they could potentially get molnupiravir to prevent them from getting hospitalized and potentially dying dying down the road. And it's just a BID drug for five days. And where was the study conducted? So the, the phase three portion of the move out trial was conducted globally. Uh, more than 170 planned uh, sites in countries that included Argentina, Brazil, uh, numerous uh, places uh, in the, in, across the world, France, Germany, Israel, um, Italy, and, uh, and also the UK and the United States, a lot of places. Um, recruitment in Latin America, Europe, and Africa that accounted for 55% for Latin America, 23% for Europe, and 15% for Africa. So we are um, we are getting data from other countries as well. I think which which is helpful. Um, um, and you know, again, large study conducted across across the world. What about variants? Which of the known COVID nineteen variants were prevalent in this trial? Yeah. So right now. Um, if you look at the, the cases that, that were in the trial from when the trial started and when it ended, um, most of them were either Delta, Gamma, or Mu. Those accounted for probably 80% of the, of the cases in the trial. So we don't know the exact breakout of that. So was it mostly Delta? Is it mostly Gamma? We don't really know. Um, you know, Obviously, if it was closer to, um, depending on where you were and uh, what country you're in, you know, if, um, uh, you know, it depends on where Delta was for that time period, but clearly I think everybody's worried about the Delta variant and whether or not this is going to be effective there, but there were patients who actually had Delta who actually got monopiravir and were, uh, and were protected uh, by the medication. 
John, a question that comes to mind when talking about, you know, new medication, new treatment is always what kind of side effects, if any, did people experience after taking malnupiravir? Yes, this is obviously the big concern and it's it's the hardest thing to kind of capture when you have these studies that are looking at efficacy for COVID-19. But the instance of all the adverse events was comparable to malnupiravir versus the placebo groups, 35 versus 40%. The instance of drug-related adverse events was also comparable, 12 versus 11%. And then fewer subjects actually discontinued therapy due to an adverse event in the malopiravir arm versus those in the placebo arm. So again, it actually did better than placebo for, for discontinuations. But again, you know, when I say better, you know, statistically, statistically probably no difference in, in those numbers. <coughs> what is the plan for producing malnupiravir? How much of it will be made and, you know, who will be receiving it? Yeah, so that's really an important part, Marianne, is what's, what, how are we going to do this? How is it going to be rolled out? So the company's expected to produce over 10 million courses of treatment by the end of 2021, um, with more doses expected to be produced in 2022. Um, many of you may be aware of this, but if you follow the news, you got to watch this stuff, right? So earlier in this year, early in the year, they, they entered into a huge procurement agreement with the U.S. government, under which Merck is going to supply approximately just under 2 million courses of monoparivir to the U.S. government upon EUA or approval from the US FDA. Sometimes these drugs are in, in development and um, once they get some decent data and it looks good, the government often you know, basically steps in and says, we wanna buy some of, the, some of these medications. Also, please remember that the key to all of this is to prevent people from being hospitalized and dying, right? So the, the, the key medications here are also in addition to monoclonals. This is a key issue uh, to keep patients safe. Clearly, if you're vaccinated, that's the key, right? That's the most important piece still. John, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about, you know, new potentially life-saving treatment for COVID-19. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaaetc.org. That's www.necaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaaetc.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at nikaaetc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.